Welcome to Emotional and Spiritual Well-Being, the podcast that balances psychology and spirituality, helping you achieve well-being by discussing how the mind, will, and emotions interplay with the spiritual and physical. Here is your host, Sharon Wegman. Hi, welcome to our podcast where we talk about how the spiritual, the emotional, the physical, basically all parts of your being (laughs) interact. My name is Sharon Wegman. I'm a licensed professional counselor at Wellspring Solutions in Wyomissing, Pennsylvania. And this is my co-host, Kate Byler. Kate, you want to introduce yourself? Sure. I'm also a counselor here at Wellspring Solutions. Um, Really like doing these podcasts. I do a lot of work around trauma and with teens and adolescents. But yeah, we're here to actually talk about counseling. (laughs) Yeah, so today's podcast is going to be why therapy is good. Mm -hmm. You know, in my world growing up, I'm now 50-something. We'll stop there. But... (laughs) Uh, people didn't go to counseling. I remember asking my mom about why she didn't send me to counseling when uh, something happened in my home as a child. And she said, people didn't do that back then. It was only the very extreme cases yeah. in which people went to therapy. So I feel like a lot of people are now at the age where they perceive therapy well, their, their mindset, excuse me, their mindset mm-hmm. in their childhood was only st- extreme cases go to therapy. Mm-hmm. And we're like, no, if you have a negative, if you have an ongoing feeling that you need to deal with, just like you would go to a doctor for an ongoing pain, you would emotionally need to deal with this by going to therapy. Yeah. And I think in when I was in school, I didn't really think about it but learned that counseling really only became a profession has evolved into a profession literally over the past 50 years so like I, I think before you would maybe see a psychologist more so even before a therapist and so I think even the idea of therapy is still fairly new fad it's kind of being a fad now but it's just a new more of a new thing that is becoming more normalized absolutely and so we're just saying I just say explain it to people as we're feeling doctors. If you have feelings that you need <laughs> right. to deal with, you need to come to us and talk to us about it. Um, just like you would go to a regular doctor. However, a lot of people don't go to their regular doctor until it's worst case scenario. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And um, <clears throat> I think counseling is usually perceived as, like you said, if something really bad happens to you or... I mean, you just hear the phrases like suicide or self-harm a lot, but I think even if you've had, if you've lost a job or any type of transition, especially, I think people take for granted that counseling can really help because transition is also a huge thing. So we help you not minimize, you know, the feelings you're feeling through is something that to the world might be small, but to you is probably fairly big. Sure. Yeah, we in the counseling world we talk about a life scale stress pyramid you know (laughs) and when we look at what makes things stressful life changes are really high up there they count for a lot Mm -hmm. so when you have 
a foundation of trauma in your background or dysfunction in your background, and you add a life scale changes, life scale stressors such as life changes, that stress really can push you to the point of really needing to process with somebody other than um, maybe someone that you've always processed with. Mm-hmm. Um, friends can be great. Spouses can be great or not. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's right. some, just, just because you've known them your whole life doesn't mean they're going to be beneficial to process feelings. Sometimes that's quite the opposite because they have very specific ways of knowing you and they can invalidate whatever you're dealing with because they have very specific ways of knowing how you interact. Right. And it's counseling then is a space where you don't have to ask the counselor how they're doing. (laughs) Whereas like when you're with a friend or family member, you know, there are times where you might be able to just talk and not engage in the other person's life. But normally you feel like you take turns. It's a I don't know, what am I looking, what's mutual. the word? Yes, mutual conversation where you're asking each other how the other one is doing. Where in counseling, you're kind of going prepared just to take that weight off and be with yourself without feeling responsible for the other person's feelings. Yes, we do have to sometimes tell our clients, Yeah, you don't need to take care of me. <laughs> yeah, or we don't have to talk about me. <laughs> right. It's all about you when you're here, and that's uncomfortable for some people if they've grown up in a giving environment. Mm-hmm. Um, so we just today wanted to focus on why therapy is so helpful to the process of life and doing life well. The first thing that I was thinking about is why you need to go to therapy is it really impacts how you um, deal with people. And I'm going to focus specifically on parenting. Mm. You know, when we have unresolved issues and or painful issues from our childhood, we can parent very differently because we haven't processed those out with somebody. I'm going to use an example. Um, When my oldest child was going into sixth grade, we moved. And this child um, was not as anxious as I thought this child should be. (laughs) And so my own anxiety about changing schools, which Mm. happened in my childhood, Mm. impacted my own anxiety in parenting this child until I processed it with somebody. And then I recognized, oh, I'm making this into more of a situation that this child is not even experiencing. And I was creating anxiety for the child as opposed to... um, Just letting him... (laughs) Letting him deal with his own stuff. (laughs) And sometimes I think when we parent out of our own history mm-hmm. we create a lot of trauma or drama that may or may not be present right for our child and our anxiety about a situation we try to make their anxiety and that's not fair to the child and so one of the one of the things that really pushes me for many parents to say you've got to deal with these issues because how you're parenting is, is creating anxiety for your child. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think for me, I think about it in terms of just 
any type of relationship, whether it be with my husband or friendships, where once I was able to process how I viewed relationships growing up in my home, I realized a lot of my friendships were unhealthy because I was the caretaker in most all of them. And there is not a lot of me being able to love myself in those relationships and how that burnt myself out and then burnt those relationships out. And um, now being able to process that, I feel like I have healthy boundaries and more safety within my friends. And I've learned to say no to things and all of that whereas it's not only hurting I wasn't only hurting myself I feel like I'm also hurting the people I'm in relationship with and so um it was a small realization like I think to most people that sounds small but it really transforms I think most of your worldview and how you view people but mainly to how you view yourself I think that's what we try and tell people with therapy is like before you go out and focus on other people like you need to focus on yourself and everything else kind of starts becoming more healthy once you're healthy right a lot of the people that come to therapy um, and this is going to be our next podcast is on codependency <laughs> right a lot of the people that actually come to therapy are individuals who have been somehow socialized or brought up to take care of other people and so they are absorbing the pain of other people in their life as opposed to knowing how to do Mm self-care so um, a lot of therapy for us is teaching people how to take care of themselves emotionally right and it's sometimes we'll have situations where there was no avoidance of um the child having to move into a position of being a caregiver, maybe a, 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 a parent died mm-hmm. and they had to start taking care of more things than they used to. We don't like that for anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we do see is that those children develop the in, uh, caretaking responsibilities in lots of situations that are not their responsibility. Yeah. And so our next podcast is going to be on codependency because it's a very common thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think in in some regards, we've all kind of fallen into a codependent something or another, depending if you've had trauma in your life or uh, a really bad relationship or an unhealthy relationship. So mm-hmm. it also, I think that's another thing therapy does, though, is you realize how normal almost a lot of these struggles are. And it can take the weight and shame off working through them. Whereas if you have a lot of shame, you don't really want to work through something. But then once you talk to a therapist, I think it's like, oh, this isn't as heavy or as abnormal (laughs) as I've been making it up to be in my brain. Absolutely. (laughs) I think that's like one of our primary jobs is to say, absolutely, that would, of course, make you feel that way. (laughs) And they're like, what? (laughs) Um, That makes sense. (laughs) Right, because they they just have never had other people validate or normalize their feelings because maybe they grew up in an environment where people didn't talk about feelings. Mm-hmm. So if you grow up in an environment that nobody talks about feelings, nobody processes feelings, then you kind of have this feeling in your head, I'm crazy for thinking this, I'm crazy for feeling this way, and you hide it. 
Yeah. Like, like Kate was talking about, you have shame about yourself. You hide it and you don't actually process it. So what we do in therapy is a lot of it is just normalizing and validating mm-hmm. things, which makes people, once they feel normal, they're like, I can do this. Yeah. And, and I think that reminds me of if you're able to feel normal, even be able to know what you're feeling. <laughs> Yes. So good. we do a lot of that, <laughs> um, helping people just be able to identify feeling more than like mad or happy or angry. But maybe I'm okay. If you're mad, are you feeling agitated? And if you're feeling agitated, then what can we do or what do you need? Because that's a lot of the missing pieces I think we've all had growing up is not being able to identify a specific feeling. And so if you can't do that, you can't really get your needs met because you don't know what you need absolutely so like anger is just a byproduct of feeling invalidated feeling Mm -hmm. powerless feeling Mm -hmm. shamed feeling abandoned we got to help people understand those feelings so that when it happens they are clear on no I'm not angry I'm really feeling abandoned Mm -hmm. and then therefore this is what I need Mm mm-hmm Um, So I feel like, you know, a lot of people have not grown up in environments where you're able to say what you need. Right. Um, And that could be because of your own parents not having any idea what they need. Right. (laughs) Therefore, not knowing how to express that. So, you know, every behavior that we see is a result of a need. Mm -hmm. So once we start figuring out what these behaviors are representing, we can help people understand what they need. Yeah, I think that's like the fastest progress sometimes I've seen from session to session is like if someone's able to figure out their needs, they come in being like, yeah, I figured out that I was feeling powerless, so I, you know, went and did this. And it was like, you're doing the work. Like, that's another thing. Like, you're doing most of the work in therapy. Like, we're here to help you process it and support it. But I think figuring out people's needs really helps them get to that next level of like, now now what do I do? Or like, where do we go from here? Because I feel more in control and not out of sorts all the time. Sure. When you can learn how to self-care and self-soothe, you feel empowered. Mm-hmm. And that's what therapy does is teach you to identify what you're feeling, teach you what you're, to identify what you need so that you can give self-care. Because if we're dependent on other individuals figuring it out, this is where codependency enters in. Yeah. <laughs> right. And we can, we'll talk about that more in our next podcast. <laughs> um, so another thing that I was thinking that therapy is so beneficial to is just learning how to communicate well, mm-hmm. you know, in marriages. Yeah. I don't think <coughs> most people grew up in environments where they learned how to listen well. Mm -hmm. Most people grow up in environments where they're listening to reply, so they're thinking about what they want to say in response, Mm -hmm. as opposed to listening and validating and empathizing with the other person well, so they feel heard. Because in marriage counseling, I'll say, you're not going to hear a lot of lectures from your husband or your wife whoever that person is, excessive stalker, (laughs) if you hear well. Right. Because they're going to keep talking until they feel heard. And that could be a lot. Right. (laughs) It could be repetitive. And so a lot of marriage counseling is learning how to 
communicate and listen well that mm-hmm. I don't think we learn how to do that in a lot of homes growing up. No, I don't think it's a thing people intentionally avoid as much as no one has really learned it very well. So how do you pass it on? And so I think with listening well too, you get to a point where like, I think with some couples, it's when I've had them repeat back, what did you get from that? Or what did you hear he or she saying? Um, it's interesting when the person says it and then their spouse says, that's not what I'm saying. You kind of have to start it over again. So even learning that, like, no, you still didn't hear me, but how to communicate that in a way where no one is feeling put down or uh, powerless or um, emotionally abused within that conversation is really helpful. Because then you're like, oh, we can disagree or I can misunderstand you, but we can still talk it out where neither of us feel attacked. That doesn't happen often. (laughs) Even with friendships, I mean, I don't know. It's just not a normal thing. (laughs) It is not. And and that's, so we're basically teaching people how to listen and talk and communicate what what they need. Right, because you're clearly not going to understand all the time. Right. It's just not, that's a perfect world. And so you're going to disagree or you have to repeat yourself or... You're not always going to feel understood. So we also help you get, okay, so then what if I'm not feeling understood? How do we get through this together? Right, without turning it into more codependency. Right, or doing manipulative actions, which you can listen to another podcast on. Yes, listen to our manipulation (laughs) podcast. But the idea being is um, so important to be able to deal with whatever reality we're in mm-hmm. in an empowered state you know I'll have spouses say but they should know by now mm. what I need and I'm like but even though you've told them maybe their reality is they don't want to mm. mm-hmm. <laughs> and then now you got to deal with that reality right as opposed to the fantasy that if I keep explaining it mm-hmm. they're gonna do it right I can't change another person's behavior by talking them into compliance. Right. That would be codependency. Because I'm making you responsible to take care of my feelings mm-hmm. as opposed to just acknowledging I've expressed it. He's He or she has chosen not to listen. Now i got to deal with that reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's interesting, too, I think when couples come in, you realize some of your triggers that you didn't know before being married, because why would you? So I've had in couples counseling or someone just kind of randomly comes out where they're processing and they're like, okay, but when you like ask me to do it in that way, it reminds me of my dad and then I don't want to do it. And it's like little things like that where it's like, oh, we can actually work with that and help you figure that out. So it's not a stressful topic anymore. Absolutely. So that kind of comes with like the process of counseling too, where you're kind of in the midst of talking through things. And I, I've had a lot of clients be like, wow, I just thought of this for the first time. And like, it yes. was just a simple, like reflection back of what they're feeling or absolutely um, a moment to listen. So again, I feel like the clients do most of the work in the end than we do. <laughs> We're just, it's almost like an algebra equation. We're just telling them what the end factor is. Mm -hmm. This plus this is equaling this. Well, they didn't know what that end factor was in the algebra equation. And now once we tell them, they can do a lot of their own emotional math. Right. So um, 
that's really powerful. That's why you go to counseling. Mm-hmm. Um, another reason why you might go to counseling is to learn healthy coping mechanisms. Yes. You know, maybe you grew up in a home where healthy coping mechanisms were not modeled. Mm of how you process intense feelings. Mm -hmm. And so whether you use a substance or some other type of unhealthy coping mechanism, which can even be controlling people Mm -hmm. through codependency. I'm just going to keep saying that till you listen to the next podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, uh, We need to learn different coping mechanisms, and we just help people figure out what coping mechanisms work for them. Yes, sometimes that is a struggle for me as a therapist because there are so many coping mechanisms that are going to work differently for each person. There's not really this set box or like we know as counselors not to put people in a box. So it's almost like you have to keep trying things repetitively until what works for you because what works for me doesn't always work for the next person. Absolutely. So, I mean, that... That also takes work on the client's end sometimes, being dedicated to trying things a couple times and being like, oh, that actually worked really well, or it has been working, or maybe uh, that's not so much for me, but this other thing has been helping. So being open to um, trying different things depending on the type of person you are. Yes, definitely. Um, And that's just figuring out the math equation for that person. Mm -hmm. Everyone has their own unique DNA, and we need to figure out what works for them. Right. Um, Another reason you might want to go to counseling would be because you have suffered some type of trauma, Mm -hmm. and you can't stop thinking about it. (laughs) It just keeps invading your life via nightmares, Mm -hmm. via, we call it, like, day, day, like, day daydreams mm-hmm. daydreaming about it um if you haven't processed that out of your brain mm-hmm. by talking to someone that trauma impacts you in making lots of fight or flight responses mm-hmm. you freeze up in situations you escape situations you leave situations or you fight a lot mm-hmm. um, and so part of counseling is processing those traumatic experiences which is one of Kate's specialties (laughs) so that you can get it out of your head and you can it can stop being the decision making factor of how you react right and I think with trauma a lot of people which makes sense I think a lot of us try and make it black and white where they're like oh well I'm not thinking about it then when I'm doing these things but The reality is your brain has been trained to think a certain way. So you're not always going to be thinking of the traumatic event while you're doing um, negative habits or, you know, unhealthy things. Your brain is just equating it to trying to take care of itself and protect itself. So your brain is working and doing what it wants, but it's really putting those pieces where they belong so you can live a less stressful life a less anxiety life a lot of things i have a lot of clients with anxiety that don't equate it to their trauma but really once we start putting the pieces together their anxiety is able to go away because everything's not related to how their brain has learned to work in trauma so i think also it's not always it's not ever the person's fault it's your brain working because it had to in those moments it had to fight or flight it had to be anxious Right, so what that might look like in a situation is a trauma event happened by a man (coughs) or a woman in your childhood or Mm -hmm. your young adult life. You then have, and you might 
may or may not be even aware of the trauma that occurred. That's where we're trying to figure it out. And then when another man or a woman makes you feel powerless, Mm -hmm. which is the same sensation that most people experience with their trauma, that powerlessness causes them to shut down or fight or (coughs) just avoid. So I think it's so important for you to understand your own emotional math so that you can channel what you do differently. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, Another reason why you might go to therapy would be if you have reoccurrent headaches, stomachs, stomach aches, or a rundown immune system. Mm-hmm. You know, when you experience traumatic situations, you don't realize, and you haven't been in a situation where you can process your feelings, your body absorbs those. And it causes problems. <laughs> Big problems. <laughs> so, um, yeah. yeah. I mean, stomach issues... Headaches. I mean, I know when I have stressful seasons, I know I get headaches. I don't really get... So, again, it's everyone's different. So, it's kind of knowing your own body and maybe even uh, taking, like, a log of, like, when it's when it's happening. Um, when are you having stomach problems? Um, I mean, I... Even, like, losing... It's to the point where people can be so stressed out, you're losing feeling or touch even in, like, mm-hmm. your legs or... Um, your arms, uh, I mean, it can go on and on. People, we, I think we're just scratching the surface, honestly, on how much stress or trauma uh, interacts with the physical body. Absolutely. We, yeah, I mean, we could just probably do 16 podcasts on that. Yeah. But, you know, like, this is why people say you have to remain calm to keep your blood pressure low. Right. Which then affects your, your stroke capability, which then affects your heart, your heart rate and capability. Mm-hmm. You know, the adrenaline you're dumping into your body because of anxiety, it takes a toll, ongoing adrenaline. So we have to really process that that's one of the reasons that you come into therapy is to take care of your body physically. Mm -hmm. You can get better if you learn physically, if you learn how to deal with things emotionally. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you want to. (laughs) It makes you want to get better. Right. So I know we haven't recorded podcasts in a while. We just felt like let's revisit why therapy is so powerful. Any other yeah. specific thoughts that you were thinking of that you wanted to talk about? Uh, I was just one came to mind is um, grief in oh, the sense yes, of uh, absolutely. I mean, obviously, when it just happens, but I think I have a lot of clients that I might even like some might. He's seen long, like if you've had a huge loss in your life, I think going to therapy long term is really helpful because grief is not linear. It just is this thing that comes up, you know, depending on the seasons and the year or birthdays or, you know, the anniversary date of something where you might have to keep talking things out because I think grief is something that we get reminders of that won't ever go away, really, because you're not going to forget. But having a space to process, hey, I I just like really felt it this week and I mean it can be five years later I think people really forget that that grief is and loss is a huge impact on someone's life whether it be just happened or 10 years later absolutely a traumatic event happened to me sometime or near Memorial Day um, and there my body would remember it Mm -hmm. before I was remembering it and now I can process it differently and I probably am able to not even have trauma experience related to it but it took 
a process of learning how to process that grief and loss. Right. And that could even be like you going, like maybe you went, you went to therapy for that loss when it happened and then it might look like, okay, like this person's maybe lost someone and this person's birthday is in the month of July. And so maybe you go to therapy two times in the month of July to just process that. Like I think going to therapy for grief in those ways can be very um, dependent on the season or what comes up or Mm -hmm. maybe you had lost someone again and it's bringing up something else. So I just think we as humans and like what our culture in America is like, go, 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 take for granted how much an impact a loss has because we're expected to go back to work. We're expected to, you have to keep living your life. I mean, (laughs) time doesn't stop, unfortunately, but. Yes, Western culture grieves very differently than the Eastern culture. Eastern culture takes a couple years that they are purposefully grieving and they are allowed to grieve by their society. Right. But Western culture doesn't grieve in the same way. So yeah, we have to unlearn some of those things. Right. Any other reasons that we would go to? I mean, there's so many. So many. We can just list. You <laughs> you're know, probably thinking of some if you're listening if to this. people around you are saying <laughs> you really need to talk to someone. That's something you need to take, you know, take into, right. you know, if you're just not coping, if you just have constant, intense feelings. Stressful job. A postpartum oh, yes. after pregnancy. I mean, there's so many. There's, we could just list them yeah. forever. But our main goal is to explain that when you come to therapy, you're learning how to do your own emotional math mm-hmm. so that you're learning to identify your feelings, to think about what you need, and to move towards self-care with yourself or a therapist or a good friend. Yeah. You know, when you know what you need and you can process those things, it changes everything. And it doesn't mean you're crazy. <laughs> it's like Absolutely. a stigma that's starting to leave. We will but. validate that whatever you're dealing with is normal. Yeah. All of it. It's all. It's pretty normal. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us for this podcast. If you uh, want to touch base, our next podcast will be on codependency. <laughs> you didn't get that quote. <laughs> I said that a hundred times. But um, thank you for joining us. If you're interested, you can follow us on Facebook or Instagram. You can go on our website and look up other podcasts or past journal entries. Um, But we're just going to be looking forward to talking to you next time. See you later. See ya. Thanks for listening to Emotional and Spiritual Wellbeing with Sharon Wegman. For more resources or to have Sharon speak at your meeting or event, please visit wellspringssolutions.com.